Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. Hey folks, and welcome to the next episode of The Prestige, a podcast by people who love movies, for people who love movies. My name's Rob, and I spent 10 years working in the film industry, doing all manner of jobs, both on set and off. And my co-host here is Sam, who spent those same years becoming educated and teaching and lecturing and writing long theses about English literature and theory and that. The idea of this show bringing in that I bring my technical knowledge of filmmaking, he brings his theoretical knowledge of how stories and ideas work and we try and meld them together into something like a in-depth analysis of movies we go through movies we like we go through genres we go through directors and currently we are doing our genres and we are looking through the heist movie we always end the show with our recommendations our further reading if you will movies that we think link to our movie of the week that are inspired by or inspire the movie of the week and ones that we think are worth watching with some sort of link to this movie but we always start if we can with other things we've been watching movies tv shows books anything like that that we've been enjoying since our last show a chance for us to recommend something that otherwise wouldn't make it into the show proper so sam do you have anything to talk about i do this week um i finally caught up with something that seems to have been on everyone's minds for the past five years or so. It's Hamilton. Um, and I mean, we talked at, at length about Moana before, and I think Lin-Manuel Moana is brilliant. And I thought the first the first half, certainly, and the second bit of the second half just showed off his utter brilliance, his genius. They were beautiful. And then I just thought it's it dragged a bit at the start of the second half. Um, and it gets sort of heavily political about um, the history of the 18th century in the US and I didn't get involved with it. But it, the first, I mean, if you if you like musicals, I won't say even if you don't, if you like musicals, you absolutely love the first half of Hampton because it's just mind-blowing. It's just amazing. So, yeah, second half, not great in places, but first half, absolutely brilliant. So that's why we're more speak. See, I, I'm, I'm a Hampton fan and I've listened to the album countless times um, and know it inside and out. With the version on Disney Plus, I've watched the first half. Um, and I hasn't as yet watched the second half because the second half is when everything goes wrong. Um, and I'm a little bit like, I just, I'm just not in the place yet to watch it. So I, uh, I have only seen the first half of that. So I've taken a, a bit of a dip back into my horror fandom. We're heading towards Halloween. So I'm kind of diving back that way. And I've had two films in the last week that I've watched that I'd say up and down. First was a film called We Summon the Darkness, um, which is. A well-ish known cast. It's got Alexandra Daddario, Dada- I think her name is, um, who you'd know from True Detective, from Baywatch, a bunch of other things. Um, it's also got great support from Johnny Knoxville and other people like that. It's got a good cast. It was just a bit dull. 
it was really just a bit dull. Um, it felt like it was trying to be a bit too clever. Um, and like, oh, here's some twists and turns. But they were all very clearly obvious. And it was just a really kind of dull film. The one I am going to recommend, though, is a film from last year called VFW. VFW, if you don't know, guys, stands for Veterans of Foreign Wars, which is a organisation in America, I suppose, um, for sort of social clubs and bars for veterans. Um, and this tale, if you imagine Green Room and Drive had a violent baby, it's this movie. Um, essentially, a group of veterans um, who are all well past time age are having a night in their VFW, at which point they get pulled into a local drug gangland war. The film, it sways wildly from like Mad Max-esque visuals all the way through to some really brutal violence. Um, it's got a brilliant cast. It's got Stephen Lang in the main cast of it, but also brilliant support from William Sadler, from Fred Williamson, from Martin Cove. And it's just a good brilliant film it's kind of preset 13 um but just drenched in this beautiful neon orange and red and blue light it's very very good um so if you haven't seen vfw and most people haven't um because it's a little obscure film i really recommend trying to find it sounds really good i love creamy you've got to love You've got to love horror. You've got to love violent movie. It is a very violent horror movie. Um, but uh, if you like that sort of thing, it's it's great. Well, as Rob mentioned at the start of the episode, guys, we are taking a look through various heist films this season. Um, and we have reached the 1973 film, The Sting. She picked him clean. He never missed him. Remember that Sting experience, how good you felt? Now, The Sting, winner of seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture, is back. Chicago was the place to be in 1936. In those days, the big con was a dying art. Until a first-class grifter on the lamb from the FBI and a young gaffer from Joliet joined forces to con the big Mick. He's not as tough as he thinks. Neither are we. Paul Newman is Henry Gondorf. There wasn't a con he couldn't run. And there wasn't a sucker he couldn't gaff. Robert Redford is Johnny Hooker, a young grifter with plenty of moxie. Three grand on the red, Jimmy. But he's a sucker for lady luck. Tough luck, kid. And a sap for lady love. Thanks for the big evening, Hooker. Next time you want to spend 50 bucks on me, mail it. Robert Shaw is the mark. In the underworld, he's the big Mick. Name's Lonergan. Dylan Lonergan. It starts with the setup. You owe me 15 grand, pal. <laughs> then you bait the hook. Your boss is quite a card player, Mr. Kelly. How does he do it? He cheats. You play him on the wire. The wire's been out of date for ten years. That's why he won't know it. Now he's ready for the sting. He's there. Let's get on it. Don't go back to your place tonight. $500,000 to win. 
Lucky Dan. Paul Newman and Robert Redford. This time, they might get away with it. The Sting is a 1973 um, film, describes a caper film on Wikipedia, I don't think particularly fair. Um, it was huge, it was, I mean, box of takings um, adjusted for inflation, it's the 20th highest grossing film of all time. Um, it was a phenomenal success and it did very well at the Oscars that year or the year after. Um, it is directed by George Roy Hill and stars a young Robert Redford and Paul Newman. And they do sterling work. There is a delightful supporting cast. And you can tell from the adjectives I'm using my opinion on this film. It's about a con that involves um, a sort of mafia world kingpin. Well, mafia. That sort of thing. Um, Kingpin involved in the Irish-American crime syndicate. And it involves taking him down after he ordered a hit on one of the associates of two men involved. And it's just... Yeah, it's just amazing. Rob, your thoughts? I mean, I think it's... I wouldn't say I'm as overly in love with Sam is but it is still an absolutely brilliant film it is it is more of a con movie than a heist movie but I think that is to its advantage it's certainly not just detriment I think it this movie I would say just sings along it is such a light movie if that makes sense um it just it bounces from scene to scene and shot to shot and action to action and it's just fun it's just hands down throughout fun. And, I mean, you've got Redford, you've got Newman, it, and they're most charming. They're most, you know, ebullient characters. We talked last week about how charming Michael Caine was. And this is a very different sort of charm, but it's still just as charming. It's still cheeky and silly and fun, and I can't believe we got away with this. But it's also, it's just so good. You really really on their side we talked previously about how movies at this point haven't really let the bad guys win and i think this film to me is the start of something in which you see the bad guys that we're following are just less bad guys so the bad guy they're taking down is he as you say he's a violent kingpin who ordered the murder of luther so he's a bad guy and they're still bad guys they are con men but because they're taking a worse guy, the audience is on their side. And you see that all the way through a lot of movies. That like you have your guys who are just a bit grey, and then they hit against the sort of the real evil guy. Even though like they all started by they ripped off the wrong person. Yeah. And if they hadn't ripped off the wrong person, they'd just rip off another person? Like it wasn't like they went after the mob in the start, they just went after a random person. But I think the film, it's just so light and lovely. It's just a lovely movie. It kind of has that real feel to it. It is, obviously, it's a period piece, um, but it has a real joyous feel to it. And you end up smiling at all, maybe the first, the first act's a bit dark, obviously, setting up the pieces and setting up Luther dies. But once they get into the 
the sting proper and they're playing these characters that they put on it's just fun and you just see the twists and turns coming and the twists aren't oh my god what happened there it's more just like oh that was fun now you see the little step coming and it's just so much fun yeah like i said cards on the table with this i love this film um and i was just thinking actually what I remember while you were you were talking about there, there's something you see even in it's a through line to films like the John Wick films where the character John Wick is I mean morally terrible. If you think about it, it John Wick is awful. He kills people. But you mm. kind of forget about that because the even worse guys killed his dog and the even worse guys did even worse things. It's like um film I talked about a couple of weeks ago, The Equalizer. I mean, mm. the the character in that is terrible, but he he always acts from a place of humanity and anyone that goes up against him is automatically worse. And that's what you have here. Like these these characters are acting from places of humanity and the the Irishman is just not and he's just a terror he's sort of sort of a cartoonish baddie and we we know that as an audience we're rooting against I think this is something I talked about previously on old old, old episodes about how I don't enjoy movies about people bad people doing bad things mm. um, and this this is really clarified this to me now it's like here we've got bad people doing a con but by the dint of them having a bad guy, a badder guy, you're on their side. And I enjoy that a lot more. I'm happy to go along with this kind of train. But you don't feel for me that when you just look, well, if this story was told from Doyle Lungan's point of view, and it's about him running the Kateri and killing Luther, and he's our protagonist, I don't feel I enjoy it as much. I don't enjoy that darkness, but I do really enjoy them the the common but i think that's for me this is what i want to talk about most about this movie is this idea of i suppose i want to say the word false probably but presentation facade Mm. um because we haven't mentioned it but throughout the movie you've got these interstitial cards i suppose that say the sting the hook that kind of thing and set up the different parts of the movie but also different parts of the con that they have like the movie structure is similar to the con structure and you have the setup and all these kind of things that pay off through it and for me particularly this really strikes home not the meta nature of it but the entire this kind of idea that we know we're watching a film and particularly very particularly the opening credits i love the credits but it starts the opening credits starts with newman redford talking and has their, their names talking and then it pulls back one and you see i think the cameraman and the director looking at that same scene and then back one again you've got you know, the, the lighting guys, and back when I think at the writer, you get this, this almost like the camera's moving back through this hand drawn scene, mm. introducing the different cards. And so, you from the very first opening credits, you know you are watching a story told to you, you are watching a film. This is a, this is a play, a presentation, mm. yeah. and these cards throughout do that as well. And I just really, I really like that because you feel like you know you're going to getting it's a, it's a story within itself, it has this real element of facade. But that isn't like a bad thing. Like inherently, we know this is a, it's an eighth movie and it's a period movie. Like we know we're watching, we're not watching reality. No, and there's something, like you said, there's there's nothing intrinsically bad about it. There's just something very artificial about this film in mm. in a really 
obvious way in a way I mean those title cards I was thinking at the very beginning about you know court drawings that you have and in mm. this country mm. and, and cameras not being found in courtrooms so you have said pencil drawings of, of people involved in court cases and it's the same sort of thing that like is okay it's it's a it's a serious document but at the same time everyone knows that it's that these people don't look like that. It's an artificial construction, and it's it's a pencil drawing. So already you have that right from the start. You have the the acknowledgement that the director knows and the writer wrote knows, and everyone involved knows that this is going to be an artificial presentation. And I think that's that's a lot of what frees it from the ideas of not of reality, but of normal cause and effect and normal consequences like the, we because we, we know this is a presentation and i think also it helps that you've got you've got rob redford you've got newman who are these big name stars like i enjoy the movie a lot but i know i'm watching Rob redford and now i'm watching paul newman in the same way someone like i don't know george clooney this day like generally you know you're watching clooney mm. there are actors who can disappear into a role and you end up being invented this and that isn't a bad thing but they are bad actors but at a certain point, when someone makes a certain star, Elvis, you watch an Elvis movie, you know you're watching Elvis. Um, and there's that feeling that you, you get the feeling of taking on a ride. And that's what I think keeps it light. That's what keeps it so the movie's dancing as it runs through the story. Like, it keeps it that way because you know you're watching people do it. You know you're watching a play. You're watching this story being told to you. Um, as a little aside, though, I don't think there's any further to go with this, but I did really enjoy, like, this movie, this show is called The Prestige. Um, and the prestige is a part of a magic trick. And when we talked about the prestige, we talked about how they have these stages to the trick. I can't remember what they were called, but the prestige is the last bit of the trick. And these cards, the hook, the sting, really remind me of that. They really remind me of it. And I, I thought, well, that's odd, that little reminder. But it's it's true, though, because like a con is a magic trick. Yeah. In many ways, it is a little magic trick. It's a show you put on within a show. So we're watching a movie. Within that, a show's put on for Lonergan to take his money. And I'm sure I've told this before, but one of my old uni friends is a magician. And he always said to me, the thing no one thinks about with magic is that the effort gone to for it. That's how magic works behind the scenes, is that no one would believe the amount of effort you will go to for that trick. Mm. So it's beyond the expectation of what work you'd do, and that's how people buy it. Because they think you wouldn't do that work. And it's the same here. Like, the level of involvement that went into doing this con, it's like 30 men and building their own rooms and all the little bits, like trying to... That little con where they painted the bed, painted the office to get them to talk to the guy at uh, Western Union. And all this effort's gone into doing it. And that's how you sell the magic trick yeah. of this con, is... All that effort, and we've talked previously, but even from everything from Rafifi onwards, like the technical aspect of the performance of the con is a big part. And here you see so much of that, so much. I mean, for me, that's the good stuff in a con or a heist movie, is these technical details about having another guy in the room, reading off to him, finding some sort of result. All the work goes into making this race look like a betting game. All that little steps, all the technical thought processes. It's the it's the the Rube Goldberg machine of of a story of a con, and that's what I love. And here it's on display. 
I, I hadn't I hadn't thought about it until you mentioned it that this is very reminiscent of the prestige and it's almost like the film itself it's like I'm trying not to go this but it's like the film itself is a magic trick mm. it's like the one one of the things that it says um this is very brief reading of the wikipedia article about this that it talks about the sting as being the part of the con that ensures that the mark doesn't know he's been conned and that's mm. It seems to be what you're saying about magic. That the point of magic is that you should not know that you've been tricked. You should believe that there is a reality going on. You should not. I mean, you can't understand how you can have been tricked. And the way you've been tricked is that someone's put an incredible amount of effort, like the guy in the Prestige, the old Chinese magician who just walked around for twenty years with. And bowed legs so that he could do that trick with the fishbowl. Mm. It's and, and that's what you have here. You have, I mean, Logan should, shouldn't know that he's been tricked, and that's what the, this film is about. And the, this film is set up so that you, as an audience, you should only know at the end. Oh, it was a magic trick, and the payoff is that you find out right at the end. But there's something of a there's a beautiful magic trick to this film. I think that's I absolutely absolutely agree. I think that for me, there's a real echo in that in Ocean's Eleven, the remake, in which it talks about if if you're going to do this, you, he's got to think you're dead because mm. otherwise he's going to come for you. And it's a real like they do get it. But I think that's we talk about magic trick. Um, and I think that's why I think this film for me works really so well. And that is mostly to do with one particular character, which is FBI agent Polk. Now, in the narrative of the movie we watch, he is presented as a real FBI agent and then is revealed to be in on it. So, like, as much as they are conning Lonigan, they're also conning the audience. Yes. The, the final shootout yeah. is like, it, it's played. Like, you look back and you think, well, and hopefully it wasn't for us. It was all for... Um, Snyder's benefit is the reason it happened was for Snyder's benefit. But we're tricked as well as an audience. And that's something that you can see all the, and that's this, this, you see this coming in back and back and down, down the line through more hoist films, more corner films through the years. The idea that there's a character who turns out to not be who the audience thinks they are, let alone the characters. And that for me is what really sells it. And that's why it has this really nice feeling at the end, because you get the rug pulled from under you as well. Mm. You don't want. I suppose you don't always want to know everything. If I was handed with this movie, here's all our steps and here's everything we're going to do. And then you see it play out. That's less fun than the, oh my God, they shot him. Oh no, they haven't. That reveal, a twist reveal at the end is great. And that's talking about magic once again. It's the idea that a good magic trick doesn't do what you think it is. And I, once again, I can't remember the phrase of the message, but it's all about the trick. You set it up, you do a trick, but then that actually builds to the second trick. Mm. Like that, The prestige is the, the first trick goes wrong or changes, and then you get the real trick behind it. And that's this. Like You think it's gone wrong. You think that the heist and the con has gone wrong, and then it hasn't. Yeah. It, it, it actually turns out it was all part of the plan, and it ends lovely. Well, the, and there's that. Even before you get to the fake betrayal, you have um, with with um, Harmon giving Lonergan the tip, and the tip mm. is the horse to place. And suddenly he's realised he's put all this money on a horse that's not going to win. And you you have that 
I mean, on the face of it, that doesn't need to be there because they're always going to raid the joint and mm. he's going to be let out. But you go. I've just just been sitting there thinking about this that 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 is like dotting eyes and crossing the t's because if if it were possible that good could come back and say, you know what, I need my money and I won that yeah. bet fair and square, then he'd have some grounds for the course. And there's, they've just thought about absolutely everything because actually that makes sense because thinking about it afterwards, he could think, well, the horse is never going to win. I was never going to win. I was just unlucky there. And he wouldn't stop mm-hmm. to think too much about why he was unlucky and he wouldn't think about Kelly. And there's, like you were talking about with, with the magic, there's all this preparation to this. There are these sort of layers that they've obviously thought about, that Gondorf's thought about, that everyone involved has thought about to such an extent. I agree with you about the artificiality and the facades and the way that this is like a trick. And I do think one of the reasons this is so... I really love this film. And I think one of the reasons why this is such a good film is that it is obviously artificial. But I did want to say that there... I want to talk about like the, the moments of realness in this film. Mm-hmm. The moments of real conversation you get. For example, between... Hooker and Loretta, and Loretta is not your standard Hollywood beauty. She is in her 40s, and he's attracted to her because of, I know, because of the the loneliness, you're just like me. There's something very real in that conversation. You know me, I'm just like you. It's 10 in the morning, I don't know nobody. There's, there's something beautiful to that. And the, the last line, I think... Although, I mean, it, it, it's up there. There are several brilliant last lines. The last line of the apartment is great and some like art is great. But I just think the the understatedness of this last line when when he gets offered the money and he says, now nah, and you blow it and walks off is just the most effortlessly cool thing imaginable mm. and i just love the 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 recognition there the, the sort of the reality there there's not this is not all about the facade this is redford stepping back not redford newman stepping back from the facade and thinking you know what the reality is i wouldn't make anything of the money anyway i was just in it mm. to trick lonigan i just wanted to get reparations for luther the, this wasn't about the money at all I think that's also part of the growth of that character is at the start he does a little con for cash, mm. not caring who it's who he's conning and blows it all. And then the big con, the big trick is it's in, the joy is in the trick mm. and it's not in the getting the money. He's doing over Lonigan and that's his reward. His reward isn't money. Yes. Because as I say, you know, I don't want someone pulling out when we get this done, it isn't enough. Yeah. Because bottom line is, it is enough. The money isn't enough because the money doesn't matter. The the trick does. Yes. And I think also, I mean, just talking about the the, um, the facade of it all, like they use these old school wipes of the scenes rather than cutting from scene to scene, scene a little wipe across the screen, the wipe back and forth. Mm. It's a very old, apart from Star Wars, a very old technique. I do want to stress, guys, if you if you have watched, haven't watched this, A, you should watch it. Um, but in the past, I've advocated a lot for Brechtian ideals and the idea of a artificiality to a movie helping it this is not brechtian it has some brechtian elements with the presentations and the title certainly but it is not brechtian as sam says 
outside of the facade bits of the presentation and thing, like it is a real human, realistic story. Um, and I like this, this seemed to me to thread that needle a little bit of bringing in the Brechtian ideals that I think really work with story based work and still balancing it against a naturalistic style of presentation. If that makes sense. Um, so I, I liked these, say, this facadeness, the Brechtian ideals of having a title cards and having all of that, but not too far, not full, not full Brecht, um, if that makes sense. Um, but I think it really, really helps. So, Rob, do you have recommendations for us this week? I do. We've got three. I'm being greedy. Oh. Um, so we've talked a lot about uh, rare people in this movie. And what we haven't talked about is the character of Billy, who is... The girlfriend partner, shall we say, mm. of, of Gondorf. Um, she runs a bar um, and she's there throughout and clearly very much is equal. Um, and she's played by Eileen Brennan, who is an actress who's been in lots and lots of things. Um, but I strongly want to recommend her 1985 film, Clue. She plays Mrs. Peacock, um, a more elderly character, say for her, in the 80s. But she's just brilliant in it. The whole movie is brilliant. The whole movie is inventive and fun. In the same way that this movie just dances and skips along through its story, so does Clue. It's just, it's just A, a brilliant meta-mystery, and B, it's just a brilliant, funny film. Secondly, I wanted to talk about the director, um, George Roy Hill. We've praised a lot of his work here. Um, he also made a film that I really love from uh, four years later? Four years later, yes. Um, once again, starring Paul Newman, um, but that's Slapshot. This is an ice hockey movie going from one extreme to the other about a incredibly violent, incredibly goofy hockey team um, that Paul Newman takes over to run. It's a classic of the sports drama, um, sports comedy movie. It's If you haven't seen Slapshot, you really, really should. It's just so iconic. It's a real cult film, um, and it's just, it's just so funny and so anarchic in its presentation. It's just great. Thirdly, one thing, we talked a lot about the, the presentation of this. We didn't talk too much about the periodness of the film. And I think some of the period details are really, really good and really, really sell it. And part of that was down to the Cotton's costume designer called Edith Head. Um, she's won I think, eight, nine Oscars for her costumes. Um, she got one for this. She's done so many movies. I had a quick look at her IMDb and it's epic and huge and terrifying um but the costumes in this were really really good and all the little details that sold the different characters and you know kitting them all out as people and then also cut them out as the fake people i thought it was so well done she also did the costume for a movie that i really love and mentioned weirdly earlier um that's 1961's blue hawaii which is a elvis presley song and dance beach movie i have spoken about my love of technicolor of this kind of era of the overtop, colourful movies from the 1560s. This is right in that wheelhouse, right in the middle of that zone. It's Elvis being Elvis, singing and dancing around Hawaii. It's a good, fun time. It's not, you know, going to set the world alight. It's certainly not an in-depth emotional journey, but it's just good and fun. And the costumes are brilliant. There's, you know, there's the... He's in the army, and there's all kinds of things going on, different costumes, locals versus the Americans... It's just so well done. She's good in it. And it's a fun film. 
What about you, Sam? Given this is George Royale film and it stars Paul Newman and Rod Redford, um, I'm not actually going to mention Butch I, I thought, I didn't um, think, is he going to do it? Is he do it? <laughs> no, he no, no, I'm not that much of Um At the other end, well, much later on in Robert Redford's career, he was in Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and... Some of the Marvel films I don't really get on board with, and some of the very smash mash, and but some of the really clever. And I thought Captain America: The Winter Soldier was very good, and Robert Redford is particularly good as um, one of the uh, suits involved high up in the, oh Shield. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> my second recommendation is Jaws from nineteen seventy five. And Robert Shaw, who was done in this, was one of the main characters in Jaws. And if you haven't seen Jaws, then you really need to. If you haven't seen Jaws, I don't know who you are. Um, But yes, it's a very early Steven Spielberg film. And it is... I mean, several people, Mark Kermode included, have talked about how Jaws is not a film about a shark. And... It's a it's a very clever horror type film. There isn't really I mean the the shark famously doesn't get featured until particularly late on in the film for reasons to do with the the construction of the animal itself. Um, it's just utterly brilliant, and I recommend everyone go and watch it if you haven't, or if you have, just go and watch yours. As as references. So guys, that was the sting. I think we both extolled its virtues pretty highly there um we really hope you liked it if you did like it let us know on twitter if you didn't also let us know um we're back into its time guys moving forward into the 80s and we're picking up with thief from 1981 starring james khan by michael mann so we'll be back with that in two weeks till then you can find us both on twitter at pretty podcast you find me at life underscore academic and you can find me at Kaiju FM. As always, guys, if you like our show, we really appreciate a review or a rating from you wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's on our website, on iTunes, on Google, on Spotify, on Podchaser. We'll put some links in the show notes for places to leave reviews. They really help us build the profile of the show and get more people to listen and get more people to take us on board and hear what we have to say. And we really like doing this and we want to keep doing it. So thank you for listening and thank you for uh, telling all your friends about us. See you next time.